Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Back. And we are back. Crossover NBA podcast. Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And Howard, we have officially entered the dog days of summer when it comes to NBA content. And frankly, content in general. Um, You made this point right before we came out to record. And it was that, you know, during the day on one of the debate shows... There was a lot of chatter, maybe too much chatter, about the dunk that LeBron James' son had in a high school tournament. So, like, if you can, if you need to squeeze 15 minutes out of something Bronny James does to fill time on a nationally televised show, uh, you're struggling for content right there. That's that's for sure. I don't know what's beyond silly season, stupid se- stupidity season, inanity season, uh, desperation season, whatever it is, that's where we are. Um, I kind of thought we'd already reached it a couple weeks ago because uh, even you and I have had to rehash Kevin Durant um, multiple times, and we're going to do it again today. Mm-hmm. But at least we have a little bit of new stuff to talk about, too. But I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't remember if I said this last week or not. It is the strangest of phenomena that we have simultaneously an off season in which we might have 
four all-stars traded, Durant, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell. And, it, and then we will look back on it as one of the most momentous or, or one of the most, you know, uh, just active at a, at a high level off seasons. But to date, we got nothing. To date, like almost nothing has happened except speculation, rehash, rumor, whispers, spin, and then nothing. It, it, what's, what's really happened so far this offseason is a whole lot of nothing. whole lot of nothing is right, but always just enough to fill time on a podcast and just <laughs> enough to be mildly interesting. And we will start yes. with one Kevin Durant, who has been at the center of all the speculation about player movement this offseason. Nothing tangible, Howard, to report when it comes to Kevin Durant, other than for the first time since this whole saga began, Durant directly addressed uh, something that has been written about his future, specifically the idea that he could retire rather than play for the Nets. This was something that Mark Stein, our friend who writes over at Substack, floated. Uh, He quoted a league executive um, suggesting that uh, Durant responded on social media saying, you know, effectively saying there's no chance that I'm going to retire. And I don't think anyone, including our friend Mark Stein, believes that Durant uh, would ever retire. He's going to be 34 years old next month. He's got four years at close to $200 million remaining on his contract. And he loves to play basketball. So he's not going to walk away from the game when he's still playing at the highest of levels, regardless of of the situation that he's in. But it did make my ears perk up, Howard, because, look, Durant is on Twitter constantly. He's clapping back at Stevo6924, who is, like, <laughs> criticizing for something. You know, I, I don't know why he does it, but he consistently has been doing it. He has not shot down any of the reporting up to this point, really. You know, from the trade demand to the meeting with Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets in London, to what reportedly was asked or talked about during that meeting, specifically uh, the jettisoning of Sean Marks and Steve Nash. This was the first time that Kevin Durant spoke out on this uh, this topic. What did you make of that? So it's funny because, one, this is like a bad game of telephone, the thing you used to play in, like, you know, kindergarten, where stuff gets distorted along the way. And there was some really bad aggregation out there of Mark Stein's piece it's I wouldn't even call it necessarily reporting Stein wasn't reporting that Kevin Durant will retire if he doesn't get traded what he wrote was and I'll read from the top of his Substack, which I'm subscribed to and encourage you all to do the same um, as long as you first subscribed to si.com of course but Stein wrote during summer league in Las Vegas one of the most well-connected team executives I speak to regularly insisted to me that based on what he was hearing Kevin Durant was more apt to retire than play again for the Brooklyn Nets. This was in early July. And then Stein goes on to say that he himself was highly skeptical of that and said as much to this executive. But it's not somebody saying Kevin Durant will. He's saying more apt to retire than play. It's almost like the hyperbole is baked in. Like, he's so adamant about not playing for the Nets, I could see him retiring rather than go back. But that's not the same as saying that Kevin Durant intends to do this. So Stein wrote it fine like there's there's nothing in the way that he wrote it that was but then it got distorted as these things often do in our social media age and so then kevin durant takes to twitter to debunk something that didn't need debunking um says i know most people will believe unnamed sources over me but if it's anyone out there that'll listen i don't plan on retiring anytime soon 
shit is comical at this point. Okay, fine, KD, but that's not what Mark Stein wrote, and he probably didn't read it. I'm guessing that KD does not actually have a Substack subscription to Mark Stein, but you should, Kevin. He does really good stuff. Um, so then Tommy Beer, our good friend, uh, weighs in, and and they have a, a really interesting back and forth for a while. Props to Tommy Beer for engaging KD on this and KD deciding to, to keep responding. Then he's accusing fans of media, saying we want a lockout, which is also ridiculous. Like, I... I this says more about the media age that we're in and the amount of noise out there and the way that people hear things and interpret things than it does about anything else. I don't think Kevin Durant actually revealed anything to us today with this. Um, and you said it, Chris, like he, for all the tweets he, he put out today, sort of stemming from his trade demand, he never actually addresses any of the fundamentals about what he wants does he want out? Does he want to debunk anything about the trade demand or about wanting Steve Nash and Sean Marks fired? Where does he want to go? Would he show up to like that? All the things that we most need to know from Kevin Durant were not addressed. And I'm not expecting that they would be. I'm not, you know, that that's unreasonable. But at the end, like a lot of stuff this summer, it's eventually just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Um, it just did strike me as interesting that this was what Kevin Durant chose to respond to. And uh, <laughs> to piggyback on something you just said there. I can speak for myself, and I think I can speak for you here. I don't want to cover a lockout. I did that. Don't <laughs> want to there, do it again. That. No, no, I'm good. Staying at, you know, outside in the lobby of a hotel or outside uh-uh. just on the street. Uh-uh, hard pass. No thank you. I'd rather cover uh, an entire season's worth of Orlando Magic games this year. <laughs> Sorry, Orlando. I might choose I, a lockout over that. I... <laughs> no, no, not no. We'll call, maybe Houston Rockets games might be. Might be hey, I, I had some nights that I was kind of like punch drunk up too late, eating bad pizza and like yeah. at the the Waldorf Astoria. That was actually more amusing than most of what the Magic where had done for the last ten done, years. Where nothing got done, where guys would come down, most of them would largely ignore us, and then you know we'd get a little nugget. Uh, the, the most intriguing moment of what was that? Now is it 2011? Am I getting that yes. right? 2011 yes. lockout yes. was all of us getting called in. What was it three in the morning when they made the deal? Yes. At the, the last second and sitting across the table from Stern and Billy Hunter and Derek Fisher was there, a handful of others, and just yeah. bleary eyed wondering, um, yeah, I don't I don't need to do that. I, uh, but I don't know like where Kevin Durant got it in his head that there are people in the media or fans cheering for a lockout. People speculating about and I think it's he's taking it personally because people are saying it is maneuvers like Kevin Durant's where he's trying to force a trade with four years left on his deal on an extension that he just signed a year ago that issues like or instances like that and Ben Simmons doing something similar, that those are the kind of things that are going to lead to players and owners having a big clash at the bargaining table and therefore potentially a lockout. Saying that, speculating that that's a possibility is not nearly the same as wanting it, cheering for it, or predicting it. It's just simply saying, this is some stuff that's really going to be difficult for the league. Owners and GMs certainly are not happy about this emerging trend or, or accelerating trend. And that's an issue. Of course it's an issue. It doesn't mean anybody yeah, wants but the a biggest, shutdown. Yeah, but the biggest issue, Howard, the biggest issue is like, Owners and GMs have become soft. Like, just, <laughs> like, I mean, 20 years ago, like, if this situation came up 20 years ago, I know we're going down a different pathway here, but if this situation came up 20 years ago, like, I, I feel like the, a Pat Riley of yesteryear would tell player X to just go bleep and play and, and not even entertain the possibility of trading a marquee player with four years left in his contract. It just wouldn't, it really wouldn't occur to 
to GMs of that day and age now because of social media and the sensitivities of it all. And it, it just, it, it's gone too far. And I, I blame more the owners and the GMs that I do this player empowerment stuff and, you know, guys it, exercising yeah. their leverage. I feel like they, if they have a contract, a GM can say play or don't. And don't get paid. Simple as that. Like, everybody's so concerned with, like, keeping this fragile balance intact of having all happy guys in the locker room. Everybody's got to be happy mm. in the locker room to have any kind of team success. Mm. That hasn't always been the case, Howard, and you know it. Like, there's been plenty of teams with guys that didn't like each other on yeah. them or guys didn't want to be there and had success. I mean, you covered the Kobe and Shaq years towards the end. They had success. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary to have everybody singing the Lego song, Everything is Awesome, um, when you're taking the court with your team. Phenomenal reference, by the way. Um, Everything is awesome! (laughs) That should be substituted for any time somebody wants to say everybody getting together singing Kumbaya. Like, that's way too old a reference. Now it should just be the Lego song. I'm in favor of that. Listen, like, you're right on some level, but things have changed. The power dynamics have changed. And yeah, it'd be nice if, if teams could just stand their ground. But we know that there is a reality that with players, with the amount of, of power that they have now, with the money that they make, uh, with their ability to, to change teams um, more often because of, of, of shorter contracts and free agency, like everything is just different. And I, I don't know if there's any easy answer to that, but we just have to acknowledge that things have changed a little. And I don't know that there's any single thing that the, 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 the teams can do short of some new wrinkle in the CBA. And that's where this speculation about a potential lockout comes. I will say this, and I agree with Kevin Durant uh, wholeheartedly on this point. I think he made this point in his back and forth with Tommy Beer that people, everybody's making too much money and that to, to, to have a lockout, which is true. Like they're going to cross the $10 billion threshold this coming season. Um, that's up from, I think it was $8 billion as recently as a couple of years ago. Like this league... As, as much consternation as there is, and I think legitimately is, by teams, especially smaller market teams, but maybe all teams, about this trend of superstars forcing their way out with multiple years left on their contracts, you're not shutting down the league over that. You only do lockouts and actual shutdowns and actual lost games when it's financial concerns, and they do not have any financial concerns right now. Between the money that they're generating... The 50-50 split with players that's down from 57 for the player, 57% for the players as recently as, whatever, 11 years ago before that lockout. Between all that and the revenue sharing that they have, there is no basis, no legitimate reason that they would shut down just to try to solve superstar empowerment or superstars forcing trades. Like I, I think that's far-fetched. I think they'll let that issue go as long as they're still making, you know, just, 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 generating money like a machine and they are so i I don't i don't think that will happen i'm not one who who thinks that there will be some sort of shutdown because of that but it is a serious concern for the league all right one of the other subplots that emerged this week to the kevin durant saga is that there was uh some photos taken of durant and jason tatum working out, I believe, somewhere in Southern California. Not 100% sure on that, but they were working out together uh, at a gym. This all happening in with the backdrop of Durant uh, being rumored to be a target of the Boston Celtics. And if, you know, we talked about this last week, if you really parse it down and look at the most prime candidates to land Durant, 
Boston would have to be at the top of the list. Um, I want to play you something that Jalen Rose from ESPN, longtime NBA player, um, something he said about the ripple effects of this picture being taken. There's, in theory, quote-unquote, nothing to be said to watch them be in the gym. But the one thing you have to be conscious of is the other 14 guys that you lead. Mm. And you got to always think about what is Jalen Brown going to say if he sees me working out with KD knowing that the trade um, uh, the trade scenario is on the table. And a lot of times it's better to just step back, right, and allow the multimedia scenarios play a course. Like, of course you go to NYS, of course you go to Point God's documentary, and you probably don't expect people to ask you about it, but they do ask you about it. And this is a time to keep the noise down, Jacoby. So clearly, Jalen Rose, who's been in many locker rooms over the course of his career, thinks that Durant and Tatum working out together and a photograph of that making the rounds on the internet uh, could have a negative effect on you know, Tatum's relationship with Jalen Brown. Do you look at that as being maybe a little bit too you know, micro-analyzing, or do you think there's something to that? I think it's Jalen looking out for his fellow Jalen. There's a whole world of Jalen's out there now that he has to look after since they were all named after him. And he's just understandably uh, a little hypersensitive to anything that might affect his fellow Jalen, Jalen Brown. Uh, No, this goes back to stupidity season. And I love Jalen Rose. Jalen's the best. And he does great work on TV and analyzing this league. But if we have reached the point where we are now raising red flags because Two NBA stars are working out together in the offseason and just there happens to be rumors of a potential trade and it might involve the guy. Like, come on. Like, that, that's not what Jalen Brown needs to be worried about or what Jalen Rose needs to be worried about on Jalen Brown's behalf. Um, worry about if there are actual legitimate reports of traction in a deal because working out or not working out, Jalen or um, Jason Tatum is not the one who gets to make that trade. That would be Brad Stevens. Kevin Durant clearly is not the one who gets to make that trade. That would be still, to the chagrin of Kevin Durant, Sean Marks. So if Sean Marks and Jason Tatum are working out together, (laughs) maybe you start worrying. Uh, If Sean Marks and Brad Stevens are having a a three-hour dinner together in Brooklyn Heights, maybe raise some concerns uh, about an imminent trade. Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, like, come on. NBA stars work out together, including rivals, work out together all the time now. This is, uh, I hate using this phrase because for some reason I just like the word, it just it sounds weird to me, but this is the epitome of a nothing burger. Yeah, I, well, you're probably right. I would say this. Well, first of all, I think if you're a Celtics fan, forgetting the dynamic of a Durant trade, like you love it. If Tatum's working out with Durant, you want Tatum around sure. one of the greatest scores ever sure. in this league. Maybe the greatest score this league has ever seen. Someone whose body type mirrors that of Jason Tatum. And if Jason Tatum can take something from Durant's game, um, that's a good thing for the Celtics. At the sure. same time, I can understand Jalen Brown being a little miffed. And not just because of this one particular moment, picture, situation. But, yeah, look, 
Jason Tatum, when he was at the premiere of Point Gods, you know, made it a point to say he loved his team, but he also did comment on Durant, said, I love playing with them, blah, blah, blah. Um, Jalen Brown, as we've talked about before, has been the subject of trade rumors for years. It This could be, I don't want to call it a log on the fire, maybe a stick on the fire, something that <laughs> you toss on the campfire, kindling on the campfire of Jalen Brown that might annoy him a little bit. Wait, of course, you're right. I mean, Jalen Brown, I'm sure, is out there working out with other NBA players from different teams. Has been for some of the summer. It just hasn't been photographed. It's not as high profile as Tatum and Durant working out together. But I can see through all this, you know, you see Tatum, Durant practicing together, working out together. I know they've got a long-standing relationship. Tatum and Durant were teammates on the USA basketball team a couple of years ago. So there's a history there between those two. But... I could see Brown being a little annoyed by that. I, I could. I really could. Um, it's just, again, just one more little thing that threatens to burn the bridge between Brown and the Celtics. Just a little thing. Little, little thing there uh, between the two. So, I, I mean, again, I, I don't... I'm, I more lean towards your nothing burger take on all this, but I can't see how it might irritate uh, Jalen Brown just a bit. So... That is the latest, Howard, in the Durant, <laughs> Durant saga. Hopefully, This has been your Kevin Durant Minute. This has been your Kevin Durant uh, 15 Minutes. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast is 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, other thing I want to get to, speaking of things that get dragged out, Donovan Mitchell, back in the news once again, the athletic reporting that the Knicks and the Jazz have re-engaged on trade talks between uh, on a deal for Donovan Mitchell. Um, the report was quick to say there's nothing imminent with this team, no real traction <laughs> here. So it was kind of just like, I don't know, uh, Leon Rose picked up the phone and called Justin Zanuck in Utah and said, hey, how's it going? I, don't, I mean, it could be anything as far as uh, trade talks go. I maintain, Howard, as I have all along, that the Jazz are going to get exactly what they want for Donovan Mitchell or they're going to bring him back into training camp. There is no pressure right now on Utah to make a deal. In fact, it's probably more prudent for them to bring Mitchell to camp, let the seasons of potential Mitchell suitors start to unfold a little bit, see what happens in New York to start the season. Maybe they don't jump out of the gate fast and they need a compliment to Jalen Brunson. Uh, maybe Miami kind of left at the altar when it comes to free agency and trades, ponies up Tyler Hero and multiple first-round draft picks and whatever to get um, Donovan Mitchell, maybe Phoenix, somebody else, somebody we've talked about over the last couple of months. It just it, it Unless you get exactly what you want right now if you're Utah, and if I'm the Jazz, it's probably R.J. Barrett and a whole slew of draft picks but unless you're getting that back from the Knicks, why do a deal with them now? It just makes no sense. Donovan Mitchell is not barking about not showing up to training camp. He's not threatening to hold out. In fact, most of the reporting out there suggests that Mitchell, for now, is comfortable with the situation that he's in. And if you're Utah, even if it does alienate Mitchell a little bit, it's pretty clear he's not in your long-term plans. Like, one way or the other, over the next three years, Donovan Mitchell is going to get moved. He is going to get traded to a team that they hope, will he'll stay with for the long term as the Jazz go into this full-scale uh, rebuild. So, yeah, I, I guess it's news if someone from New York dials up someone from Utah and some kind of trade proposal is exchanged, or at least the parameters of is exchanged. But I still believe that unless Utah get, gets its asking price met to the player, to the draft pick, they are not dealing Donovan Mitchell before the start of training camp. Yeah, and look, you and I have discussed this before. You know, Danny Ainge is ultimately in charge. There, obviously, Justin Zanuck runs the basketball ops, but Danny Ainge is very influential uh, in, in in the Utah Jazz operation now. Um, and he and makes the final call, like he does. Yeah. Like Justin Zanuck is an excellent GM, but they brought Danny Ainge in as CEO of this team for a reason. He's going to make the final call. Right. What was the running joke 
for the last however many years with the Celtics and Danny Ainge. Oh, Danny Ainge, you know, the Celtics were this close. Danny Ainge couldn't pull the trigger. Danny Ainge didn't go for Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, whatever, because he wouldn't put Jalen Brown in or he wouldn't put Marcus Smart in or he wouldn't put the picks in or he would. Yeah. Guess who you're now dealing with? The guy who was able to pass on deals for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and who knows how many others, and it was a running joke about him being too stingy. That's the guy who's now saying, I don't have to make a deal because Danny Ainge always feels like I don't have to make the deal until it's the deal I want. And he got a ransom for Rudy Gobert. He should get a ransom for Donovan Mitchell. And he's got all the leverage in the world. I've seen some folks on Twitter, um, I'm, I'm guessing Knicks fans, who have suggested that the Knicks leverage, and I understand like this rationale. Well, the Knicks leverage is that the Jazz really want to tank for Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson or whatever. They you know, they need to tank. They've already pulled the plug. Gobert's gone. They need to finish the teardown, and they need to, to jettison Donovan Mitchell, and that's the leverage that the Knicks have is they know that Utah needs to tank. Yes and no. There are a lot of different ways to tank, and we have seen them all. If you, if you start the season with Donovan Mitchell on the roster and you're winning a little bit too much, guess what? You could do things about that. You can curtail his minutes. You can put him out there with crap around him. He's going to have crap around him anyway, for the most part. All due respect to the guys who are left on that roster. But it's not enough to win a lot of games. You can start having guys get hurt. You can have Donovan Mitchell himself start sitting games with a you know, bruised pinky. Like There are ways to do this. With him still on the roster, there is zero urgency for the Jazz to make a trade of Donovan Mitchell. And the report today from The Athletic notes uh, in like the fourth paragraph, Utah has set a high price threshold for Mitchell, who is so far believed to be comfortable with either outcome of staying with the Jazz or being traded elsewhere. So if, if that's the case and Donovan Mitchell's comfortable with it and the Jazz are comfortable then there isn't any urgency. Now, that can change in a heartbeat. You and I have seen this before, too. Donovan Mitchell could wake up any day between now and the season and say, it's time to put the pressure on. I want out, and I really want to go to New York in particular, as we've all heard for quite a while. That could happen. It could change. But as of right now, the the Jazz have no urgency, and the Knicks have no leverage. And the the leverage, you, you outlined an interesting scenario, Maddox. If the season starts... And the Knicks just have Jalen Brunson as their only pickup and a, and, a, and a team that couldn't even make the play-in last year. I don't think Jalen Brunson's enough to get them too far up the standings. I'm not sure. Like they're, I don't see them make, even making the play-in as they are constructed right now. They, they're still going to be under the gun, even if they have Donovan Mitchell, because of how deep the East is. That's not a knock on the Knicks. It's just that there's a lot of really good teams in the East now. So if the, if the Knicks open the season with this roster and no Donovan Mitchell and they struggle out of the gate, guess whose leverage is increasing? Utah's, Danny Ainge's. And they know that too. The Knicks as constructed are not a very good team. They are not a 500 team. And the Jazz can afford to wait. They really have no urgency. Yeah, I wonder too on the Knicks' urgency. Now, they have not done an extension yet for R.J. Barrett. I don't think they're going to, by the way. That's just my gut. I don't have any reporting on this. But Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. I had people close to Barrett tell me shortly after the season ended that they thought something was going to get done, that the early talks were had gone well enough to make them believe that something was going to get done. Now, I don't know if at this point they're far apart 
on money. R.J. Barrett's probably looking for something like a max level extension. The Knicks maybe don't want to give him that level of extension. Nor or, should they. <laughs> or I should add this too, Howard. Like, if you give R.J. Barrett a big extension, it makes him it makes trading him a little more challenging. Because, no, it makes him a lot more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do that kind of deal, and now the team you're trading him to is stuck with the exact contract that you just gave him. And maybe if you trade him to Utah... Maybe the Jazz will pay him what he wants to be paid. Maybe they have a different idea for how they deal with him. You know, there's just more reason. If you're look, if you're willing to put R.J. Barrett in a deal, and look, Ian Begley was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. He said nobody's off the table when it comes to a Knicks trade. Um, if you're willing to put R.J. Barrett in a deal, you don't extend it. Simple as that. It, so it could be some of that as well. Yeah, and I think that that, that, like that legitimately... Um, could be holding it up, right? You're not going to give him an extension as long as you think he might be a, a part, a, a key piece in a trade for Donovan Mitchell. But this gets more complicated than that even, which is how much does Utah value R.J. Barrett? Um, never mind that he was the number three overall pick behind Zion and, and, and Ja a couple years ago. When I talk to people around the league, the optimists believe that R.J. Barrett will make a couple of all-star teams over the course of his career. Those are the optimists. Everybody else says... Eh, not sure he's ever making an all-star team. He's probably... I kind of side with the optimists. I do side with the optimists. Yeah. I think that he's got a ceiling high enough to be an all-star for a few times. There's there and I, I, I there's some some basis for that, but there's also no one thing that he does at an elite level that normally when you talk about stars in this league and guys who can be consistently at that level, there's always something you can identify that they do at an elite level. One thing. And there's not one thing that he does at an elite level. Now, he's still young and developing, so that may come. That's fine. But at this point in his career, he has not shown that that you can rely on that. And that's why you don't give him a max extension. And that's why if you're Utah, I think it's more than just about the money or, or, or whether the Knicks would extend him. I think even if you were acquiring him on, on his rookie deal, now you're the one who's inheriting R.J. Barrett's camp saying, look, our guy's the number three overall pick. Pay him like that. And now if you're the Jazz, you're saying, well, do we think he's going to be a multiple-time All-Star who can justify a max or near-max contract? So that that difficulty, that that uh, conundrum becomes yours. And so I'm not even convinced the Jazz would want him in a deal because, sure, he's a, a decent young talent, but he's not a guaranteed star, and he's going to want star money the second you acquire him if it hasn't already been extended. So... Um, and like I said, like opinions around the league on R.J. Barrett are, are kind of soft. Like, like I said, even the optimists, if you say he's going to make a couple of all-star teams, that's not a ringing endorsement of his, uh, of his trajectory. Um, and most people feel like, yeah, he's, he's probably a guy you want to be your fourth best player. And they like him. Nobody's bagging on him. They're just saying that the ceiling is, is lower than you would have thought for a guy who was taken third overall. Um, it happens. But I, I, because of that... Because of the way that the league, I think, sees him, I think it makes it more difficult to make him a key piece in a trade because, yes, that extension is looming and he's going to want max money or near max money that a lot of teams probably don't believe is justified. Well, the good news, Howard, is that when we reconvene to do this podcast next, this will probably still be a topic because I don't anticipate anything <laughs> happening between the Knicks and Jazz. Everything we just discussed will still be a topic. Oh, the latest Kevin Durant tweet. Hopefully we have a little bit more substantial things to talk about as we get close to the training camp, close to the start of the NBA season. By the way, um, you're speaking to uh, you schedule makers this week on the Friday version of the podcast. Is that correct? 
Yeah, everybody, uh, for the people who love the schedule, all my fellow schedule nerds out there, and I know there are a lot of you out there, uh, the scheduling czars, uh, Tom Corelli, Evan Wash, and joined by a third czar this year, uh, Gene Lee from the League Office. The three of them will be joining me on the Friday pod to break down all the highlights, all the intrigue, all the conspiracy theories, all the grievances, everything on the Friday crossover, so don't miss that. Can you have three czars? I thought... Like Czar was singular. Can you be? <laughs> you pr- I'm. I'm like so. Some historian, some political historian is going to like skewer me at some point for my my uh, generous bestowing of that title on multiple people at once. Uh, but yeah, fine. It's as far as I'm concerned on on this podcast, I get to make anybody a czar. Fair enough. And shout out to the NBA and the schedule makers for uh, making the election day an off day. I love that. Um, Absolutely. I personally believe it should be, and this is not political. I think election day should be a federal holiday so everybody can vote. Like Amen. You should, you should be able to have a day. You're a representative democracy. You should be able to have a day completely off where everybody votes. The number of days we have off for other things, um, we can do election day off as well. Good for the NBA for, and look, this is not meant so much for the players. It is the staffers and people that work all day on game days that may not have an opportunity to go and, and vote. Very cool by the NBA y- to do that. Very cool by the NBA, and also they're having all 30 teams play the day before Election Day and using that as a platform to then promote voter engagement and civic engagement. And so that that part of it is great, too. So kudos to the NBA for all of that. Congress should take note. All right. Well, if you are a scheduled nerd, tune in on Friday for the Friday version of the podcast with Howard Beck. Howard, we'll do it again, not next week, but very soon. (laughs) Always a pleasure, my friend. See you in September. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.